Hey Roshan. Yeah, Gunjan. Why do reindeer like Beyonce so much? I can't think why. Because she slays. Mm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Christmas time. Christmas time. All right, folks. Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Operators Weekly Roundup. The Weekly Roundup is a show for folks like you who like to stay updated with the latest developments from the Indian startup ecosystem. This episode of the Startup Operator Weekly Roundup is brought to you by Park Avenue. Now, as we are counting down towards the end of this year, move on to 2023, a lot of reports about how the ecosystem has performed this year are being published. And according to a few, India has overtaken China in the late stage funding. Hmm. Right. And this is despite all the slowdowns that we have witnessed. Yeah, but China has also kind of imploded, right? So, yeah. yeah. So we're talking about that in this week's roundup, along with the, despite the layoffs also that has been happening, there's a net creation of jobs, which range in the 230, 250,000 wow. mark. Along with that, again, Baiju's is in the news with hmm. their CEO being called by the Child's uh, Rights and Abuse Committee to um, talk about this alleged uh, sales malpractices. And Razorpay has been asked to pause onboarding new clients hmm. as part of the compliance when they were applying for the um, payment aggregators license. So a lot to discuss in this, this week's roundup. But I think, are you done with your Christmas shopping? Yeah, it's a fun time, uh, you know, uh, the weather in Bangalore, uh, I think, you know, if it gets any colder, it might start snowing sometime, I think, uh, right? And we might see uh, a reindeer DD and uh, reindeer Dexter uh, out in the snow. Uh, but yeah, fun time. And uh, last week, you know, there was this four decades of Infosys uh, that yeah. was being celebrated. I don't know if you have it in your lineup of things to discuss, but I think it's a phenomenal milestone. I caught quite a few in interviews of, uh, you know, NRN, of uh, Sudhamurthy, of uh, Nandan Nilekani and so on. And uh, what a phenomenal uh, company, you know, really started the whole IT revolution in India, taught us that we could compete at the global level. And there are so many fun anecdotes that were coming out, you know, like the fact that uh, NRN designed this whole learnability test in the 70s, I think, perhaps, right? And uh, Nandan uh, got 50 out of 50 in the in the test. And he he's like the <laughs> highest scorer in that, right? I mean... Yeah, so think about that. But, but Infi is just such a legendary company, you know. I mean, whether it is uh, corporate governance, just just plain ethics, or the fact that they created a lot of wealth for, uh, you know, employees, right? I mean, you know, living in Bangalore, you hear about, you know, some some driver or some pune or someone else making a lot of money. Infi really just set the tone for that, you know. And considering that, you know, there have been some ESOP buybacks of late, all of this was uh, started by Infosys, you know. We were one of like the first startups of the country. Yeah, yeah that's what Nandan it. says. We were the first uh, startup, mm -hmm. and I was the and I'm the last <laughs> remaining joker, <laughs> right? Uh, but fantastic stuff. Really, kudos to the founding team. I think they've truly transformed uh, India. I should say. Yeah. Yeah. And even money controls. Uh, Chandra has done such a wonderful interview uh, yeah. with both of yeah. them, right? And highly encourage everyone to check that out. Just yeah. talking Inaran about the... and uh, Sudhamurthy yeah. are like couple goals for <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, did you also watch the FIFA finals? Yesterday? Yes, I did. That's the only match in the FIFA <laughs> World Cup that I watched from start to finish. Uh -huh. and, and it didn't disappoint. Uh, of course not. I mean, it was one of the best World Cup finals, I think. It was phenomenal. I mean, 3-3, right? I mean, that's the stuff that uh, yeah. I, I think, you know, people write such uh, finals. This yeah. is amazing. It's terrible that it was decided on penalties. But I think at the end, I mean, the better team won on balance. And also such a fitting tribute uh, to Messi, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I mean, like the first 75-80 minutes was dominated by Argentina. But within the span of two minutes, like the tables just turned. Yeah. 
right and i mean yeah it's it's really difficult to script a world cup final like this yeah right? and to think about it kilian mbappe is just 23 years just old just 23 years. he'll be turning Holy 24 shit. i think in the next two months wow yeah okay so roshan in your uh, opening comments you you uh, slightly touched upon the how china's tech system has imploded right and of mm. course this has happened with the heavy crackdown by the chinese government just to show that just to prove rather who is in power and because of which all these verticals which cropped up right the uh, edtech and uh, e-commerce in china all of these things were hard like clamped down which led to stock prices of a few companies go down as much as 80 to 85% mm. right and right now here we are in india there are recent reports that are saying that funding for late stage companies in india has now overtaken that of china in absolute funding for late stage uh, fundraisers mm. and pretty soon india might even overtake for early stage and mid stage fund- fundraisers as well but now with you know we have seen how funding has declined in the country right and so how do you think this will just play out in the ecosystem given that there are a lot of global headwinds if the data is true then i think this trend will continue to you know widen further right i mean because what you've seen over the last year are two things one is the whole china ecosystem imploding right with the chinese communist party cracking down on all of these uh, ecosystems uh, whether it's the edtech or the consumer tech and so on right that is one thing and second thing is i think uh, the fact that every investor out there every major fund out there is looking at a china plus one if not a non china sort of a strategy right mm-hmm. right now so obviously that money is going to come into india right i mean there's only so much that uh, funding will go into like vietnam or philippines and those kind of countries right we have the demographic and we have the you know the the kind of tailwinds that uh, can absorb that sort of capital and you know provide a decent return i think so it's pretty interesting you know and i i don't know i mean this year we've particularly felt that late stage funding has been very low right i mean by some measures i mean it's decreased by around 70 80% yeah. and in this year if it's like this then uh, you know the 20 odd uh, vc funds that have raised capital are going to deploy over the next couple of years and so it should be very interesting to see how this pans out yeah okay so not only is india surpassing in terms of funding but also in terms of the jobs created we have seen like massive layoffs within the edtech sector and other sectors as well it was like thousands and thousands of employees being let go all to increase company profitability and many are calling this a market correction as well but despite all of these things the the ecosystem has added a net of 230000 jobs in 2022 and in the next 4 to 5 years some uh, analysts say that this can contribute 4 to 5% to the country's gdp now we have seen a lot of initiatives taken by the government to promote you know early stage startups we've seen like governments starting up innovation centers in various states and even for, in terms of policies there's been a lot of push how do you think this will all add up yeah see 230000 in perspective in a country that is like 1.4 billion might seem like a drop in the ocean but then i mean you have to look at the trend going forward right i mean i think uh, it's a genie out of a bottle situation right uh, startups are here and startups are going to hire more and more people and employ them uh, gainfully right so see these employment numbers when it comes to startups right i mean it's it's always tricky because you know by some measures the uh, startup is defined by a company that hires uh, you know that has about 10 20 or even 100 people right but mm-hmm. if you look at some of the mature startups i mean they've had tens of thousands of people right uh, byju's for example had something like 30000 odd people it is hard to believe but that is the scale of the startup ecosystem you know so they're going to add a lot more uh, employees to the uh, mix for sure right and uh, 
Yeah, it's, it's also become so aspirational, right? I mean, I think I remember like 14, 15 years back, nobody even really understood what a, what a startup was. It was like a small company. You were yeah. joining a small company. Yeah, imagine you know? having this conversation with your parents saying, ki, hey, I got a job at this startup. They didn't really like, understand. No, Infosys, TCS. Mein le lo. Yeah, hmm. I mean, for, you know, a good year until, you know, I was in the job, right? My mom kept telling me that, you know, I mean, I should join IBM or something. She knew an uncle who knew someone yeah. who would get me a job at IBM, right? So, yeah. Okay, but talking about Baiju's, Baiju's has again come in the news where the National Commission for the Protection of Child Rights has summoned Baiju CEO, uh, Baiju Ravindran, to appear in person before the commission over uh, alleged malpractice on selling. How they are forcing, you know, low and middle income class people to take loans, buy their products and not giving them adequate options to cancel it. It's very complicated and and many people think that this practice has been abused, right? For which uh, the company has been called. How do you think this will play out? Because earlier in April, I think, or I think it was last year, where we discussed that these edtech companies are going to form their own consort- consortium on like kind of form a own self-regulatory body. But that hasn't really progressed. And now this whole Baiju's thing. Yeah, is see, with the kind business. of growth pressures uh, that these folks have, right? I mean, having raised at uh, the kind of valuations they did, I, they are just like hurtling at breakneck speed and they're bound to abuse some of these sort of guardrails, right? And the allegations are, you know, pretty uh, crazy, right? I mean, that uh, Baiju's has been like selling loans to uh, parents, right? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, uh, these loans are at exorbitant uh, interest rates and they're targeting a certain section of the public that may not really understand you know, what they're signing up for, right? And there are no exit clauses or rather it's very, very complicated. These are serious, serious allegations, you know. And uh, if I think it is proven, then it might be tough times for uh, Baiju's for sure, right? I mean, the founder, the management team and so on. It's it's really hard. And uh, I think the government should definitely uh, intervene, have a look at this. Uh, because again, right, what are you really selling to these folks? You know, I mean, uh, EdTech is revolutionary, right? EdTech is a present and a future. But then, I mean, we need to be careful about, uh, you know, not uh, antagonizing uh, people for this innovation, for sure. Okay, but if you were to draw parallels of what's happening here to that, what happened in China last year when uh, the Chinese government cracked down and, and this reason was similar, right, to protect consumer interest. But when the Chinese government stepped in stocks of two of the largest tech companies in the country, which are TL Education, New Oriental Education, they dropped to 93 and 86% respectively. So mm. that wiped out $100 billion from the economy as a consequence of the regulations. Yeah. So what sort of role do you think regulators in India should play so as to like promote innovation within this sector and not to like limit the scope of the growth that can happen? So it's a great question, right? I mean, I always believe that, you know, innovation should solve, solve things and not regulation, right? I mean, regulation should be as wide as possible and define the guardrails in which, you know, founders and startups can operate. Uh, and in fact, I mean, this is the point that Anurakt also was making on the previous episode that we published, which is that, uh, hey, I mean, as long as regulators tell us, you know, what is the black and white, you know, founders are happy to comply with that, right? Understand the do's and don'ts. And in this case, you know, I think the government will be forced to act. Just as in China, I mean, I think consumer interests uh, have to be protected, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, and the, the government will sort of step in and say that, you know, what you can and cannot do. Some of this is just ethically wrong. And uh, again, it begs the greater question, right? I mean, that in this sort of a all is fair in love and war sort of a situation, right? I mean, who defines these moral boundaries, ethical boundaries? And there, I think it's up to the you know founding team, the management, the leadership, the investors to sort of enforce this. 
unfortunately it has been lacking in a lot of situations right i mean we talk about due diligence on some of these large funded startups as well right we realize shit is really screwed up when things get to a head right right and you know you look at ftx for example right i mean it's the most egregious example but there are plenty of other examples and some of the largest investors were just in on it i don't know what will happen on that front uh, but yeah I, i mean if the allegations are real and serious then obviously there should be consequences yeah. and also in related news i think there was a recent development where youtube announced that yeah, they YouTube, will be right? uh, allowing content creators to monetize their educational content fantastic move right? i i think a lot of this stuff right i mean i feel it, it should have been done four or five years back you know because some of the best educational content is on has youtube, come from youtube right i mean you look at khan academy khan started academy, on for example youtube. they started on youtube and just give a way for people to monetize you know so so yeah it's long long due and i think this could be a fantastic competition to all of the techs yeah. out there well yeah i just is very interesting and given that india is one of the largest market mm. uh, for youtube and also has i think the largest density of content creators as well be interesting to see how this shapes up yeah youtube has uh, something like half a billion users Wait, half a billion half a billion users in india i'm monthly active right this is just in india yeah just in india uh, i mean 470 million or whatever about mm. just short of uh, half a billion but that is still very significant and they have this whole creator economy ecosystem around it uh, right i mean and they let creators retain about 55% of the revenues right which again you know uh, may seem unfair but if you look at some of the other platforms like tiktok or twitch or somewhere uh, some others i mean they they charge even more right so i guess that is perhaps uh, the advantage of being a monopoly in mm-hmm. some sense but uh, today we also had the google for india event mm-hmm. right where google announced like its progress on various projects which is running in india and according to that as just pulling up some stats YouTube in has contributed 10000 crore rupees to the GDP wow and has created over 7 and a half lakh full time jobs amazing pretty right? amazing yeah and uh, along with some other updates uh, google has announced new integrations with digilocker which will be powered by ai and stuff to help identify documents google pay is working on adding more security alerts and warnings for uh, fraudulent transactions and uh, there's also the google project vani which they're working mm-hmm. with iisc to develop uh, language models for vernacular languages in india so it'll be interesting to see how all of these will uh, pan out this episode of the startup operator podcast is brought to you by park avenue now that we're all back at the office meeting colleagues and clients it's time to ditch those pjs and look sharp with park avenue's range of 100% cotton wrinkle free shirts they're super easy to maintain and keep you looking fresh through the day so my fellow startup operators visit the park avenue store or myraymond.com and check out the new wrinkle free shirt collection a couple of months roshan we discussed in the roundup how rbi has given approvals to pine labs razorpay and stripe to start working on the pa license right pa is the payment aggregators license and uh, one of the clauses there was after 6 months there would be an audit done which uh, which is now currently underway for razorpay and i think they have sent notices to uh, pine labs as well now many many media outlets are there saying ki hey no this is like another step in by the government to like audit these companies but can you simplify this for us yeah uh, see obviously when you are handling customer funds uh, there will be increased regulations uh, right i mean banks have all this uh, stuff around cash reserve ratio and so on right i mean so up until now i think these uh, platforms were acting as pure technology but right now i mean they're going to get involved more in the realm of uh, you know financial uh, companies as well so so obviously this kind of uh, regulation compliance uh, 
is par for the course. See, regulators in India have been, you know, some of the best folks in the world, right? I mean, mm. so we've not had the sort of stuff that will be like, you know, the FTX mm. kind of implosion. Uh, right so so this is all great i mean this is uh, this is necessary in fact i would say yeah i mean from a from a merchant standpoint especially in the e-commerce uh, side when companies will be given the pa license and they can aggregate all of these things it kind of makes it cheaper for the merchants otherwise they would have to pay huge sums yeah. to banks to aggregate all of the payments yeah. right and all of these things will come with better customer interface better support See, people uh, don't realize how much of this transaction fee was hindrance to merchants, right? I mean, even up until, I don't know, I mean, 10 years back, if you went and paid with your card at a certain place. You had to pay like 3% Yeah, I mean, so you would have to pay extra, right? I mean, people were not at all keen about it. You have to find ways and means to sort of reduce the transaction fee and, you know, help merchants uh, seamlessly operate via digital means, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how this flowed because I mean India as a market has a very large addressable market mm. with a lot of scope for innovation and even for fintech companies the barrier for entry is also kind of pretty low. Mm. So we'll be seeing like once this actually plays out I mean we'll see a lot of new things coming out. Misho also on Friday has announced that it is now adopting a flexible work office model which will be starting uh, from June 2023. Now this is almost uh, a year after it announced that it's permanently implementing a work from anywhere policy so now we have seen how offices office spaces are opening up after covid mm. right and many people are, are adopting a hybrid model but here we are seeing companies that had permanently announced a work from anywhere reverting back to old like old ways of working so yeah. what do you think that's happening i think you know there was an elon moment uh, recently right where uh, he took over twitter fired about 75 percent of the folks and got them back to office i think you know people will look back uh, on this particular moment many years even decades from now and think of uh, all of the changes that that caused right and, and this is this is uh, an effect of the same right i mean you you're seeing a lot of uh, companies in the valley do something similar as well which is that hey get back to office let's work together and so on because i've always believed that you know you can't do your best work at an arm's distance right i mean it's just a lot of back and forth i mean you can't do any collaborative work in that sense uh, sure, I mean, you need to have a hybrid, I mean, maybe three days, maybe four days in the office uh, for various teams. But uh, this is this is going to happen uh, everywhere. I mean, uh, I think people have uh, sort of, as it tends to happen, I mean, people have pushed it too far with this mm. whole work from anywhere sort of a thing. So you will find others also following suit as, as they are. Okay, let's wrap up uh, the other major headlines from the week. Uh, this week saw a mix of startups from segments such as fintech, aviation and D2C raising capital which led the funding rounds with reasonably sized deals. Uh, Bumblebee Flights, which is an aviation startup, raised 300 crore rupees or $37 million from UK-based SRAM and MRAM technologies. Fashion tech startup Virgio raised $37 million in its Series A funding round, which was led by Process Ventures, Axel and AlphaWave. Fintech startup Zype raised 146 crores from private equity fund Exponentia Capital. It's good to see that uh, check sizes across the board for both early and growth stage uh, startups are slowly increasing as we uh, reach the end of this year. Now moving on to Park Avenue PowerPoint, Yamni Bhatt, who is the co-founder and CEO of Vimo and also your boss, has recently put out an amazing thread talking about India's wave of IT revolution and how we are in the fourth, fourth phase. So she tweets, India is in its fourth wave of IT software leadership. The first wave was when India became the hub for outsourcing services the birth of Infosys, TCS, and Wipro, 
and early employees of these companies are today CIOs of some of the largest uh, enterprises globally. And then she goes on to outline uh, the stages. The second wave happened when India started exporting talent. The third stage is driven by the belief that we can build products in India and then sell to the world. The fourth wave is happening now where dozens of Indian SaaS companies are being built by talent created by the employees of the first wave. And one can only wonder what the fifth wave will look like. No, very well uh, summarized, I should say. And this whole, you know, built from India for the world model is, uh, you know, just only gets getting started with the whole SaaS ecosystem that we're building right now. You know, I read a fantastic stat uh, last week that if you were to think over the market cap of the companies on on the Nasdaq that are founded or led by Indians, it would be about 10% of the entire market capitalization of the companies listed on Nasdaq, right? I mean, something mm-hmm. like $6 trillion. $6 trillion. Yeah, $6 trillion, which is pretty insane. And I'm not even counting, uh, you know, companies like MasterCard, PepsiCo and a few others, mm-hmm. right? I mean, those combined together would uh, be another $700 billion apparently, wow. right? So, yeah, Indians have done exceedingly well, uh, right? And who knows, I think, you know, with the stuff that's happening in uh, tw- on Twitter, we might have an Indian CEO <laughs> again, right? I mean, we might have uh, Sriram, uh-huh. uh, who is, who's actually been a product guy at Twitter, uh, perhaps, you know, take over. I mean, who knows? Well, yes, that's, that sounds interesting. Folks, what's your take on what the fifth wave of IT revolution in India look like? Let us know in your comments below. Please don't say crypto. <laughs> All right, Roshan, what conversations do you have lined up for this week? Well, we've just published Anurag's episode finally, <laughs> right, after perhaps hyping it up for like two weeks. So that, that's a fantastic episode. I mean, he's a real deep thinker. So check that out. We'll also publish this episode with Subu of Fistum. Again, I think the common thread between both these folks is uh, they've been investors before they became founders, right? So that's uh, something interesting. That's another nice episode. If you have any suggestions for who we should be interviewing next, do let us know in the comments below or tweet to us. Our Twitter handle is at Operator Startup. You can also drop a message on our LinkedIn page. We are the startup operator. Uh, And yeah, I guess now we'll start preparations to have the final roundup of this year. Uh, If you have any questions you you want us to answer, do let us know. Apart from that, for more regular updates to be delivered straight into your WhatsApp inbox, do check the WhatsApp link in the description below. And before everything, don't forget to like, subscribe to our channel for more updates. See you next week and have a very Merry Christmas. See you guys.